Hello guys, welcome to Propane Fitness Podcast, episode 26. We are here with our chums, uh, Steve Hall and Mike Samuels. I'm here with Johnny as well. Hello guys. Hiya. Hey Yusuf. Hi Johnny. Hi Steve. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'd be uh, very formal with them. <laughs> good afternoon. Um, so this, uh, this afternoon we have, at least me and Mike, have both had... A nightmare um, getting here. I, I think uh, Johnny and Steve's journey has been relatively smooth. Um, I've had to do some emergency foam rolling. Um, I was uh, I decided to nip to Aldi just uh, half an hour ago before recording this. Something in my rhomboid just cramped up while standing there and disastrous. So run home, roll around on the rumble roller, come in to record a podcast. Mike has broken his external hard drive but we're all here in one piece now so hold on you ran home from aldi with a spasm in your rhomboid yep carrying shopping carrying shopping in my right hand left rhomboid cramping up classic Um, yeah i I wish i brought a lacrosse ball with me for for this but i think we'll be okay um mike's managed to give his uh his mac into the safe hands of uh, PC world as well, which is a risky move. Living life on the edge. Yeah, <laughs> frightening. Um, so yeah, today we are hoping to discuss diet adherence. So first of all, Steve and Mike, what do you guys do to ensure that you are fully well, adherent to your diet? Hold on. Hold on. Okay. No one knows, no one knows if you see them in my car. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> How to introduce a podcast 101. Right, Steve, would you like to introduce yourself? Everyone knows who I am anyway, so it's kind of cool. Like, no one's cool. No one's really called Steve apart from me, I think. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I am Steve Hall of uh, revivestronger.com, um, and I am a full time online coach. So, generally, the people I work with are powerlifters, bodybuilders. Um, very similar to myself as I've competed in both um, and love both sports like you guys um, both, I think, have both you competed I think Johnny has or we've not in competed bodybuilding. in bodybuilding no oh okay for some reason I thought you had yeah powerlifting gymnastics so you're not all you're not into the thongs like me and Mike not well, so much just privately <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> I think that's worse <laughs> Which which do you prefer, Steve? If you had to pick one. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Is that private or public? I think off- <laughs> or bodybuilding or powerlifting. <laughs> bodybuilding or powerlifting. I think off season I love bodybuilding, um, but like prepping and peaking, powerlifting takes it massively because peaking for bodybuilding is hell on just you're just screwed mentally, physically, everything is. I always say people who do bodybuilding shows are nutters, natural guys at least. Um, I don't know what it's like for whether you're on whatever. <laughs> I'm sure that stuff helps. Um, so yeah, I'm a online coach, so I help people get lean, shredded, strong. And so diet adherence is massive for the people I work with. Um, based in London and uh, yeah, from the UK, like you guys. Mike, how about you? Yeah, pretty similar to Steve, really. Uh, online coach, uh, former full-time uh, in-person personal trainer as well, 
and I'm a writer too, so I do a lot of blogging, a lot of um, article writing, ebooks, and the like. Um, work with quite a wide range of people, but generally it's um, again similar to Steve, really more people who are looking to do like photo shoots and competitions, but at the same time I work with general dieters and some powerlifters as well. Um, also competed in bodybuilding and powerlifting myself. Cool. So if you're listening, you probably know um, Steve and Mike, maybe not by name, through revivestronger.com and Healthy Living Heavy Lifting. So we are going to discuss diet adherence and a couple of other topics. So um, first of all, Steve, what's your um, what, what's your go-to tactics for sticking to a diet, particularly in the uh, the final stages where the demons start to come out? I think yeah. I mean, for contest prep, sticking to the diet, I think it all comes down from having those habits in place beforehand. If, if you're going to go into a contest prep and try and do kind of the flexible dieting macros approach without having already consistently done it beforehand you're just going to get a bit lost and not really understand what you're doing. Um, so that can be a real struggle. So I definitely think the, the place to start is building them foundations. Um, I do think a really good way of doing that can be to, first of all, kind of work out how much protein, fat, carbohydrate you need, and then just create a diet plan from there. Um, go onto MyFitnessPal or whatever kind of diary tracker you want to use. Create a day's worth of food that fits those goals for you. Um, that you foods you enjoy and kind of fit in with that whole 80 20 80 percent wholesome foods 20 percent what have you um, and then go from there and then as you get more confident with that and you can stick with that maybe create another diet plan for another day so you can vary it and then you can build from there make it more and more flexible um, I talked about this in a recent blog post kind of making a custom meal plan for you uh, because people love meal plans it makes life a lot easier but they're not flexible they kind of have all the negative side effects of rigid dieting so you kind of make that diet plan flexible and yeah then you can explore um, and then when it comes to contest prep you probably get less flexible and a lot more closer to that diet plan and you keep really strict because uh, everything is a lot tougher and if you kind of try and flex too much you can end up shooting yourself in the foot and finding it very hard to kind of wind it back and keep on track. That's a good point, actually. Um, in terms of meal plans, do you think that, in general, people um, outside of contest prep re respond better to having one or, or not, assuming that it is rigid? And then, if you're going to introduce flexibility, what, what kind of degree of flexibility do you, do you allow for them? I think they can, I think they work really, really well, uh, short term. I think without an understanding and education of why they're working, they fail in the long term. It's only when people understand, oh, it's not the particular foods in my diet plan, it's the, the calorie deficit that's actually causing me to lose the weight. So then once they understand that, they can start replacing maybe the chicken and rice with a tuna and sweet potato or whatever they want to do. They can get more adventurous than that when they understand that they can swap in and out kind of similar foods and meals Johnny anything to add <laughs> um, yeah well I, I, I agree with the, the meal template idea I think um, I've actually had some pretty good experience with giving clients and we're just talking now about sort of the general fitness enthusiast rather than a competitor um, but when, I think when somebody has something to work from that would represent an ideal day 
and then they can deviate from it when needed. I think it, it tends to provide a better attitude towards things than just saying, go off into the world with these three numbers and try and um, kind of Tetris everything together so that you, you arrive at a certain amount of protein, carbs and fat at the end of the day, because while that's discussed as being an easier way of dieting, I actually think for a lot of people, it can, it can be pretty challenging, especially when you throw social situations and maybe a bit of alcohol into the mix, it can uh, it can create difficulty. So I agree that um, meal templates, when used in, I guess, measured circumstances, are, are beneficial. Mike, any thoughts? For me, for adherence for clients, it all comes down to goals, really. So that's in terms of both getting the client to have their goals kind of at the top of their mind. So whenever they go to make a decision, having that goal there, thinking, you know, is this taking me closer to or further away from my goal? And I suppose backtracking a bit further from that is so they're actually making sure that whatever plan the client is doing is actually sort of suitable for their goals and suitable for where they are at the moment. So like Steve was saying, obviously, if you've got a competitor, then, yeah, you can set them specific precise macros or even give them like a, a meal plan type thing to follow set to their macros but you know you might have a I don't know, just take an example of a, a middle-aged woman who's not ever done anything nutrition wise before or gone from fad diet to fad diet and it's kind of a bit lost and you might make it a bit more flexible to them so that you know you make it easier for them to stick to so actually they adhere to it better um that might mean it's not 100 percent optimal on paper but if they can't stick to what's 100 percent optimal but they can stick to something that's maybe eat, 70% optimal then to me that's actually um kind of a better approach to it so I think adherence comes down a lot to looking at the client and where they are and giving them something you know, decent to do for their current level and then looking to progress them further after that. I think that's a really good point and uh, with meal plans the reason I asked actually you guys about um, do you think certain people respond better to having one or not is that um, I feel like people often feel as though they need a meal plan even though the reality of that entails uh, a much more miserable existence than than having the the tools to be able to flexibly live um in a diet and be able to go out for meals and stuff and i think it it does come back to the fallacy of the idea that certain foods are superior to others and quite often if i have someone um sign up with me for coaching and uh asks for a meal plan it's it's a tough thing to try and tell them you know I, I, i'm not sure you really do want one like it it sounds good in principle but six days in you're going to be um you're going to have oats coming out of your ears and uh it's not going to be that fun yeah so i think having the uh the systems in place however um i don't know whether you guys have have uh you come across maybe five ten percent of people that are just absolute robots and don't want flexibility and just want to be able to hammer something consistently like that and uh there are yeah this there seems to be this small subset of people that do respond well to just having um rigidity and sort of military style um constraints in their life and if they do deviate from that it tends to be quite binary and they'll just go well off the rails what do you think yeah Sorry. To me, there's a lot of truth in that. I've definitely worked with people who've been like that before. Um, I think you're probably right about the the 5% of people. Um, and, yeah, I think I had a guy once who he wasn't quite like the um, 
Dave Palumbo, whoever it was, um, the six foods that work, whatever, but he wasn't far off that. I think he was like 10 foods and that was it. But, you know, he made them fit his macros and he loved it. And he had no desire ever to eat differently. If he went out for a meal, he you know, would probably eat beforehand or choose something as close as possible to what he'd usually have when he was out. Um, and yes, yeah, so I think, again, it's kind of dependent on the client, really. So um, I think you also made a good point, Yusuf, about doing meal plans for people. And I found that actually a good thing to do is say to someone, yeah, I'm happy to do it for you, but I need to know what kind of things you eat at the moment so that you know we're not giving you foods you don't like. How about you track for four or five days? And I tend to find after that four or five days of doing that, they're like, oh, yeah, well, actually, I found that you know it wasn't too difficult and I got into it and, yeah, I don't need a meal plan anymore. So for me, that, that tends to always work quite well. That's interesting. So you use the meal plan almost as a stepping stone to establish the, the correct habits and then they can start to, to gradually move away from that. Yeah, so I suppose it's almost kind of tricking them into it by, you know, getting them to track first and with the pr- proviso of, yeah, do it so I can see what you eat and then we'll, then we'll figure out a meal plan based on that. And then probably nine times out of ten, they find that tracking is actually not too difficult at all. That's interesting. I suppose as opposed to um, saying, okay, what are your favorite foods? And they'll give you a list of foods and you like, right, I'm going to guarantee that I'm going to make you hate them uh, within <laughs> two weeks. Um, yep. What do you think, Steve? Do you uh, do you tend to use meal plans um, a lot with clients? I tend, I tend to have people who already are experienced with tracking, so it makes my life a lot easier from that standpoint because they're already like, well, I don't want you to give me a meal plan because I know I don't like meal plans. Um, but for those of them who do like to have that kind of strict approach, I normally just say create your own from kind of the things I've given you because you'll be able to create one that you enjoy and you'll want better than I can. If they really want me to, I will. Um, or I'll send them to a website, I think it's called Eat This Much, which I think is quite well known for Fantastic kind of plugging your macros. Yeah, you plug in your macros and it's kind of chucks and meals at you and you. they probably look at it and they're like, I don't want any of that. <laughs> Um, unless they're that 5% of the population that just don't seem to care about food and they just will eat like a robot, uh, which is I fair remember, enough. But I remember trying out that uh, that tool, the eat, eat This Much, during the kind of beta testing teething period, and it was spitting out like, okay, today you need to eat 600 grams of almonds, and you'd be like, oh, God. But um, <laughs> I think they've probably fixed some of the uh, the portion oh, sizing now. I think you can like customize it to like paleo, low-carb, all this weird stuff so well weird it's possible for yourself i suppose so one of the i think probably the most common thing that i know i come up up against i think probably this is representative of our client base would be that someone is pretty good with tracking like they during the week monday through friday they they don't have much difficulty getting training sessions in hitting macros in a certain range of accuracy and then the weekend happens and things go just completely off track. Um, so do you guys have much experience with this and how would you go about managing sort of the typical the typical fitness enthusiast that finds the weekend difficult? Steve, do you want to go first? Cool, uh, yeah. Um, so with yeah, I've got clients like this, just general kind of people like me, but probably uh, put drinking and socializing ahead of kind of health and fitness, whereas I guess us lot are very much kind of reliant on that and love it too much to maybe put too much to alcohol. Anyway, um, so different strategies I use are kind of aiming for that weekly average of calorie and macronutrient uh, intake can really help. 
I just don't like it to get too out of line. So I generally say they can put 20% of their calories extra to one day um, and then kind of let it level out. But any more than that, and I kind of find it upsets things too much. Their scale weight can change a lot and it ends up becoming a bit of a binge and um, purge kind of association, which I don't think is a healthy relationship to have. Um, I've kind of seen people in the off season like having refeed days and things like that when they don't require them. They just like having that kind of binge, which I think is kind of probably something they've held on to after dieting, which is not really a healthy thing to do. Um, so apart from that, I also use the approach Mike always uh, said earlier, whereas to question whether what they're eating is going to take them towards their goals or take them further away from it. But don't just take it as obviously short term. You think, okay, drinking with my friends obviously isn't going to help me get leaner, but will it in the long term? Because then you've had that relaxation. You've had that kind of a moment with your friends to actually continue to enjoy the process rather than hating every second because you might end up restricting that outlet and then end up really doing some damage later on. Whereas if you can like do that 20%, go and enjoy some drinks with mates, then that'll keep you on track in the long term. So it's kind of having the flexibility there is really important for those sort of events and making sure that if they do kind of screw up, that don't make them go and do a load of cardio, don't make them restrict tons the next day, just kind of get back on the program, it's okay. Yeah, kind of wipe the slate clean is kind of the thing I always try and do with them. That's quite a good point about not sort of punishing them by making them do more cardio or whatever and uh, and also about refeeds being a kind of double-edged sword and that it's almost, as you said, if people are carrying it as almost a crutch, even though it's not, maybe not physiologically needed in an off-season, but um, they're using it as a kind of, as an outlet for that. Um, what do you think about the idea of uh, something like that, of getting it out of someone's system compared to uh, developing a, a bad habit and how do you kind of reconcile the two? Um, ooh, that's a difficult question. That, 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 yeah, not, not, not a very clear question, but hopefully you get what I mean. <laughs> I think even I was confused by that. I was like, I <laughs> so as in, um, if you have somebody who um, is looking to 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 go out and and drink and and binge and have all the kebabs and stuff. Is that I suppose it has to be taken on an individual case whether that is something that they have as a as a desire to get it out of their system and then once they've done that, they they're good for three weeks and they don't need to um, to go back to that. Or is it some kind of more chronic issue about maybe um, maybe they've got a sort of chronic hunger issue that they then need to manage not through having um, acute binges but through adjusting their food choices, for example? Or, right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there can be a case where, I mean, with my online clients, I track things like their energy levels, hunger levels, day to day. Um, so if I notice there's a trend of those coming into like they're hungry every single week and they're emailing me saying they're craving things. Um, I like to kind of would hope to catch that before they end up binging and breaking it because then they're going to feel upset and angry about it. And rather than them do that, keep everything moderate as possible, which is what I always can kind of like to see rather than going to extremes and give them a diet break, um, which obviously kind of come from La McDonald. And I think they're a really useful tool when dieting to kind of let things level out and give someone give someone that break because it is really hard to continuously hit your head against a wall kind of trying to diet all the time 
And if you've got a lot of fat to lose, maintaining kind of a fat, uh, like if you've lost 10 pounds and you want to maintain for a period of time, it's totally not a bad thing. That's really good that you're maintaining lower than what you were before. So yeah, I always try and get people down to a moderate approach rather than yeah, continuously trying to battle with binges and kind of restrict and binge mentality is just never a good thing. Sends them into a bit of a tailspin by the sound of it. Um, mm-hmm. So, Mike, how do you how do you tend to deal with, uh, with with binges and naughty periods with your clients? I would tend to look at it as similar to Steve, but also look at are there any external factors? So, I mean, again, if you notice kind of trends and things like that are going on, and if it is as severe as the fact they feel they need to binge on just anything in general or on a particular food, I tend to look at stuff like you know, their stress levels, how things go with their family, what's going on at work, and look at ways you can maybe kind of dial that back in a bit. So possibly things like talking them through um, doing some like meditation stuff. Um, so I'm not massively spiritualist, but I think sometimes it's just good to kind of sit there for 10, 15 minutes a day, sit in silence or listen to some music and just try and chill out really. Um, so they're finding that, yeah, they've got a lot of stress going on, getting them to do that. Uh, same thing with going for walks or I might even cut down their training volume or cut down how much cardio they're doing. Um, or on the other end, try and structure in some actual proper refeeds rather than them just having it as more or less of a, a blowout, really. Um, I think if you're you know, a bit more serious with your goals and you've got something like a competition coming up, then actually I'd rather that we drop the calories back a bit in the week without getting to to stupidly low levels and then had a bit more at the weekend that was tracked whereas if it was more of a general pop client then I might you know sort of keep them on an even keel during the week but say to them look if you're going out the weekend let's maybe have a chat on the Friday about what you're going to do for food what you're going to do for drinks and let's just try and keep it moderate um but I think a lot of people it's like that external factor of other stresses going on that potentially leads to binging behaviors rather than you know maybe it's not always a a physiological need for it so to speak i think that's what we really love about your approach guys um that you the recognition of that you're dealing with humans and and that you're making allowances for that um as you said not not punishing them giving some leeway for um for naughty periods again and and taking a kind of holistic (laughs) and see johnny laughing at (laughs) naughty periods um (laughs) taking a uh, holistic approach and you know as you said mike looking at whatever else is going on with their life as well and i think um one sort of key error that um hopefully we're we're seeing the end of it soon but that with online trainers is that it almost seems like they're directing their material to elite athletes that just have 100 percent adherence and um ultimately as you've probably seen from our so if it fits your lifestyle slogan that yeah we are we are just human and ultimately the someone who's coming to you with an improvement in their physique is looking to improve their quality of life and not not worsen it but gain abs in the process i think that as well as if um the 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 blockage typically for people is very rarely information it's it's usually consistency and adherence so if everybody had 100 percent adherence then everybody would be walking around um, looking like Steve Cook, which last time I checked, I wasn't. So, I mean, things things might have changed, but or Steve um, Hall, or Steve Hall, indeed. 
Someone I'd prefer to look like Steve Cook. <laughs> one, one last thing I wanted to chat about, guys. I think a few years ago, this was regarded as pretty much the the gold standard of improving adherence is is intermittent fasting. And I know Lean Gaines and Martin Burkham, um, that whole movement popularized this idea that skipping breakfast, pushing the first meal back till midday-ish, um, help people to basically eat larger meals while remaining within a fairly low calorie budget. Do you guys still use things like um, intermittent fasting or is that a thing of the past for you? Mike, do you wanna go first? Yeah, I wouldn't ever necessarily recommend it directly to a client because um, I think, again, I just prefer more of a, a balanced approach. While I'm not a huge proponent of any particular meal frequency, I think like three to six meals a day works fine for most people, space fairly evenly. And I think looking at kind of research and stuff, I'm not so sure that actually going for longer periods without protein is a great idea. Um, similarly, I like to structure some nutrition around training times as well. Um, but again, it comes down to what's optimal on paper versus what's optimal for the client. So if someone doesn't like feed, uh, doesn't like eating in the morning, if they can get through absolutely fine till lunchtime, if they prefer like a, a car backloading approach or eating more later in the day and they can stick to it and they still train all right, still perform all right on a cut, they're not losing muscle mass, then I'm kind of fine with that. Um, I've played around with it a bit myself. I actually tend to do it when I'm on holiday and I find it all right then because um, I'm sort of quite chilled out and not really doing much in the morning. Whereas I know that for me, if I try and do it on like a normal working day at home by sort of 11, 12 o'clock in the morning, I'm just ravenous really and ready to kind of kill someone so i think if someone gets on with it all right then yeah great go for it but as a sort of as a general recommendation i probably wouldn't ever ever put it in someone's plan as a as a starting point it's impressive that you do it on holiday mike i think i'm a i'm a sucker for the buffet breakfasts so yeah so if there was a there was a buffet breakfast that idea might go out for window. <laughs> see what about you so I give intermittent fasting to every single one of my clients because I think it's the best approach that possibly is. Um, I think Mike's completely wrong. Um, no, uh, sorry. I was, it was only going to be me shadowing basically everything Mike just said because he pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, I don't think the research necessarily says it's particularly beneficial. It can help adherence, and that's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. Um, for some people who really want to micromanage it, yeah, the best is probably having frequent feedings of three to six meals with protein and a decent serving, um, especially if you're building muscle mass. But most people, it's just whatever suits their lifestyle. So I find a lot of my clients like to push breakfast back because then they just get to eat bigger portions through the day. Um, and then for things like if they know they're eating out in the evening or like Mike probably uh, on holiday, so you can save for bigger meals when you're out later in the day it can really help but for most people it's probably better on paper to have some sort of food and nutrition around their training and get some frequent feedings of protein rather than trying to kind of do this intermittent fasting approach which probably isn't actually best in most situations some good points there steve um i'm also a sucker for the uh the breakfast buffet um I always seem to equate <laughs> the word buffet with challenge but um <laughs> yeah um but yeah, and I think also with Lean Gains, he has 
despite the fact that he's produced reams of shredded people, he does get to pick his clients and perhaps intermittent fasting is more suited to a certain kind of mindset and and the people that uh, that resonate more with him. Anyway, I uh, don't want to take up too much more of you guys' time. Um, Johnny, was there anything else that uh, we wanted to cover? No, no, I think that was it. I guess, guys, we just want to know, um, for the listeners' sake, where we can find more about you and what you've got going on at the moment. Steve? Cool. Um, I, was just, I don't know why it's just coming to my head on intermittent fasting, but I think a lot of the time the guys that really push it are already in incredible shape and they haven't got into that incredible shape through intermittent fasting. Yep. And it now it allows them to maintain incredible shape. So I think that's, and like a lean shape, because obviously that's part of the reason people do it. But anyway. I think that's um, why I actually tend to promote it, Steve. To be <laughs> no, I'm joking. Stay shredded year round. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you want to find out more about me, I'm pretty social online, uh, so I'm at Revive Stronger on Instagram, um, Twitter is Revive Stronger as well, Snapchat, which I absolutely love at the moment, please add me on Snapchat at Revive Stronger, and uh, then my website's revivestronger.com, so you can't really uh, go wrong if you don't, uh, if you just Google Revive Stronger, you'll find me. Mike? Uh, yeah, website is healthylivingheavylifting.com. Facebook page is Healthy Living Heavy Lifting on Facebook. And as that's such a tongue twister, then if you want to find me, just add me on Facebook as Mike Samuels and I'll point you in the right direction. Great. Well, guys, it's been great to chat and uh, hopefully listeners got some usable points. Okay, guys, that's everything from episode 26 of the Propane Fitness Podcast. We'll speak to you next time.